Welcome to the Salty Music Teacher with Maddie Saltibus. Hello and welcome to the Salty Music Teacher. My name is Maddie Saltibus. I'm here with Vicki Weber, who is from Chicago. She has taught elementary music for several years and is now primarily focused on writing books and helping young kids learn how to read and learn about music. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on. So speaking of books, first of all, I read a couple of Dr. Seuss books growing up, and I'll have you know that that is the reason that I am now a music teacher, because I was horrible at reading. (laughs) I was horrible at reading growing up. But I think they didn't have a lot of interesting books. That's probably why I didn't read so much. Well, I was, my husband um, says this all the time. He's a huge reader now. He has authors that he, you know, he'll buy any book they put out. He's very passionate about reading now, but as a kid, opposite, complete opposite. And it was primarily because um, like the, the books he was interested in were either too difficult because at that time that you had to read within your reading level, you that know, the they were very books, strict. right? The goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. You like, you had to stick within like your, they labeled them and everything. Um, so all the books he was interested in were either too, um, too high for his grade level or, he just wasn't interested in the topics that they were talking about. So getting him to read as a child was like pulling teeth. And I was the exact opposite. I was, um, my mother would ground me from reading sometimes because Interesting. I, would, Why? I would be reading <laughs> instead of like doing my chores or, you know, instead of doing any of the things I should be doing. Uh, one time I was crying on my couch. I'm, I'm just sitting there with a book and I burst into tears. My mom comes running in the room like, what happened? What's wrong? What's going on? And I'm like, Dumbledore died. (laughs) From the Harry Potter books. I love it. And she was like, that's it. You just ruined it for somebody. Somebody who's Somebody. (laughs) She was like, go play outside. And I was like, but mom. Um, Oh, my goodness. So, you know, when, when I entered the classroom, you see all types of kids. You know, you see almost everything under the sun. And the majority of what I saw in a lot of the schools that I worked at was just kids were not passionate about reading they, at all. They still the aren't. That I, they still and aren't. they still yeah. aren't. Mm-hmm. And the biggest motivating factor was subject area um, and whether or not they saw themselves and their interests reflected in the books that were available to them. Uh, because I would make up stories in my music classroom And these kids were so engaged and they loved what they were doing, Uh, but you take them to the library and they couldn't find a single thing that they wanted to read. And so for me as an author, my immediate thought was there's absolutely no reason why musical stories, interactive stories, fun stories like this can't exist. It's relatable and it's about music. So these are things that students are relating to because of the heritage and also because, you know, they love music. Maybe they're passionate about it. Maybe they sing it. You know, uh, speaking of music, a lot of students are getting their music education 
you know, at the elementary level, I assume that, you know, it's kind of funny. I think they get their music education from TikTok, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. or YouTube, you know, they say, oh, yeah, I know this person. And, and yeah, we all grew up listening to some form of media that allowed us to experience music. But for those who don't listen to music and they do read, this will be a great option for them, right? So I'm excited. And I did read a couple of books. So I, you know, know of a couple of books that you wrote. So I'm excited to talk to you about that. Uh, tell me a little bit about your experience teaching elementary music. First of all, uh, what's your favorite grade to teach? I got to know. Okay. Whew. I, I have my answer prepared. So I've primarily taught K through six, but I have taught pre-K. My favorite Scary. grade level, <laughs> favorite grade level, second grade. Second because, grade. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They are uh, old enough to do many things themselves, you know, like they can, you know, fill out a worksheet. They can confidently write their name. You can trust them in the bathroom mostly. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes. But they are young enough to still like the kitty stuff, you know, they still like the songs and the games and the dances and the movies. They're still willing to do all the fun stuff that music has to offer. They're not too cool for school. They haven't hit that (laughs) stage yet. So it's the, it's the, in my opinion, that was always the perfect balance because you still got to do all the fun kitty exciting games of um, course but they were more capable of directions <laughs> now did your um i guess your admin at your school and your school district did they require you to do any performances at your school and what does that entail yeah we did uh usually seasonal performances so like so, the christmas yeah halloween concerts did Christmas and then something in the spring, depending on the grade levels. So usually it was like the older grade levels did holiday uh, musical of some kind. And then the younger grade levels did the spring, typically because the, you know, kindergarten first, sometimes second, depending on the year, uh, they needed more time to practice and more time to like build foundational music, musical skills, sure, build up you know, concert etiquette practice, even just practicing getting up and down the risers and how to act on them. Yeah. Try to get some kids to just sit still for a while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's hard to do even in high school. (laughs) It's I I still squirm in my seat, so I can't really blame (laughs) them. And yet, and yet I'll look at them and be like, I need you to. Then I remind myself you struggle with it too. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Now, uh, we're assuming, I'm assuming that it's uh, choir performances, right? Um, and so do you have any instrumental performances, any with like band or string instruments at the elementary yes. level? I um, I didn't teach band or orchestra because the kids were so little, but we did, a part of elementary music is the general music experience. So we're doing recorders, we're, you know, we're doing percussive instruments, we're doing song games. So when we do a performance, what I typically uh, did is we did a, an elementary school musical. So everybody was responsible for singing, but I gave students opportunities to uh, have other roles. So they had speaking roles or instrumental roles, and I would have to write those. So some of them would be, you know, boom whackers. Some of them would be like the glockenspiels. Um, and orf instruments. 
Um, some of them would be percussion instruments. And I really tried to customize them to the student ability level. Uh, I would actually do a little bit of a survey and I would ask uh, kids what their first choice, second choice, third choice was. And I would try to give as many kids instruments as I possibly could if I thought they could handle it. Yeah. Uh, Once they get that in their hands, they, you don't know what could happen. (laughs) Yes. And you know what? There were plenty of times where I gave students some instruments and they had to have it take that privilege taken away. I had some of them earn it back because it was that motivating for them. They wanted to do it that badly. So, um, you know, kids are, kids are motivated by what they find interesting and every kid is so different. Well, you have to play it by ear. You know, no kid wants to be left behind, you know? Uh, And, and if you see, maybe at first you think, Oh, playing instruments are dumb, you know, that kind of thing or participating in this musical is, is uh, nonsense, that kind of thing. But then you see everybody's doing it and you see everybody having fun and you get left out. And, And that's something that I, for sure, I believe that, to be true. Every student does not want to be left behind. I don't care who they are. So, you know, a lot of times these students will force themselves to behave if that's what it takes uh, to get that privilege, in other words. So, yeah, it's, it just sounds like um, you gave a, those kids a lot of great experiences with instruments and vocal, obviously. And that's really, you know, when you think about it, you are the first impression of music at the elementary level. I, I mentioned all oh, their experience with TikTok, and and I was joking about that. But on a serious note, the actual formal education of music is through the elementary music teacher. So, you know, middle school and high school teachers, they have to accredit all of you know all of the students' hard work in learning music through you and all the things that you've done. Um, do you see that? Like, do you see these kids? whenever they're learning music in your classroom, do you say, man, that kid's going to be good at music. It's going to be so awesome. Honestly, I, I don't want to toot my own horn too much, uh, but I I focus so much on enriching as much as I can. And I do place a heavy emphasis on learning to read music. It's not the only thing we do, of course, because that would be very boring. Um, but in my opinion, reading music is no different than just learning to read. There's a lot of overlap. And so as kids are learning to read, if you get them at the right time, they can learn to read music just the same. Even just practicing, um, it's called fluency, uh, but tracking, just reading from left to right. That's a yeah. skill that they don't have naturally in kindergarten and first grade until they practice it a lot. And so the more they do those things in music, the more it supports their reading and vice versa. So I had a lot of um, of like the middle school teachers always come to me excited because students after I took over, their enrollment for band and orchestra and choir went up and the amount of students who knew how to read, even if it was, you know, not strongly, the foundations were stronger than they'd been previously. Yeah, that's and always so, a great feeling for those yeah. <laughs> folks when and I'm going to tell you as a as a teacher myself, you know, when students come in and they have that previous knowledge of, you know, the basic skills and they understand what to do, it's just so much easier, so much nicer to to be able to just double down on what they already currently know and then teach them new fun great things, you know. But if you have to go back 
uh, and sometimes you do, and we all have to experience that. If you have to go back to the basics again, you know, you could try to make it fun, but in the student's mind, they're like, we already did this, you know, <laughs> and that could be a little daunting for them. Um, so yeah, I can understand that. So yeah, great, great job then. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, you know, your personal uh, musical experience. You, you, your growing up musical experience. Um, did you play an instrument, anything like that? Yeah, I uh, was a flute player since my elementary band. And then, um, you know, I was in all the elementary choirs all the way through high school. And I always knew I wanted to be a teacher, but I didn't know what I wanted to teach. I just knew that it was like part of my personality. Um, but in high school, I was so involved with you know, marching band and musicals and choir and the jazz groups, everything I could. And it was just natural at that point. (laughs) It was just, it was just that natural bleed over. Um, And so that's what I went on to major in, um, in college. That's what my bachelor's degree is in uh, with vocal emphasis. And then my master's is actually in teaching and learning uh, with an ESL concentration. Um, And that I simply got because when you teach music, you teach everybody. Yes, and of course. Mm-hmm. My ESL students, I actually found were often my highest achievers because at the elementary level, it's an even playing field. They're coming yeah. in with the same knowledge. And so my students who didn't speak English strongly, it didn't matter. They didn't need to, to do the things that we were doing. And so you know, they were learning to read music at the same pace as everybody else. And they were learning to you know, create and have fun and explore. And they didn't necessarily need to have mastered English to do that. So that's so special. You're, you're mentioning that because I think that some kids feel limited because of maybe their, like you said, ESL or at my school at the time when I was teaching, I was at a school that had, um, that was a host for the deaf. And so, you know, I was always willing to help those students come learn music. And, you know, a lot of the kids were like, well, you know, I'm, I'm deaf, so I can't hear. And I was like, it's not about hearing most of the time. It's about feeling, you know, and if mm-hmm. you can feel these things. And of course, you have that famous story of Beethoven, you know, those kind of things. And obviously, he was a prodigy before he became fully deaf. But the idea that students can enjoy music uh, without, you know, any restrictions or boundaries, that's a great uh, feeling to know that, that this kind of uh, subject exists for anyone and everyone. And I think that, I think that exactly what you said, it's just, there are so, there's not a wrong way to experience music. There's not a wrong way to enjoy music. Well, um, I, I got to stop you there. Cause if you're at a competition, <laughs> oh, you disagree with me. if you're at a competition, they will tell you what's wrong. Oh, <laughs> yes. That's true. That's true. Elementary. Elementary was <laughs> when you were six years old, there yeah, is not there's no wrong, wrong way at six years old, 16, maybe we got issues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's true. So, um, tell me a little bit about your, your first generation, uh, American, you're from Puerto Rico, right? Your parent, family's from Puerto Rico. And tell me a little bit about uh, that growing up and your experience reading and music, uh, if you had any challenges you had to grow up with. 
Yeah, I I had a I had a great childhood. <laughs> I you know I lived a, a I had a lot of privilege and I grew up kind of immersed in Puerto Rican culture because of my dad's side of the family. Um, and some of my fondest memories are from, you know, like the holidays and cooking and music and all things within that culture. Um, but when it came to books, I only owned two books as a child with Puerto Rican characters and both of them were boys, which is fine, but here's, you know, you know, little, little girl me. Um, and I want to see things like that. And actually in middle school, I remember a book called Esperanza rising. It's a chapter book and it was new at the time. It was like in the scholastic book fairs and it's a girl on the cover and she is Mexican American. Um, but it's just her on the cover and like her hair blowing in the breeze and her hair looks like mine. And the instant connection I had with that book. I didn't even know what the book was about. I didn't even care what the book was about. Just seeing somebody who looked like me on a cover was something I had never felt before. And it was such a good feeling. Um, and that stuck with me. And so that's a big reason why when I publishing books now, or I'm also an author coach. I help other people become published authors too. Part of the reason I do that is because I do think that books need to reflect what our classrooms look like, what our schools look like, what our homes look like, because we are three-dimensional people. We're not just, we don't all look or act or interested in one way. Yeah. And uh, what I was going to say is that I'm seeing more and more diversity in music, but not just in music in the classrooms itself. And it probably has always been like that. Maybe I'm just more aware of it now. Like my wife is a third grade teacher. She teaches bilingual and she'll get a kid from Honduras. She'll get a kid from, you know, Puerto Rico. She'll get a kid from Dominican Republic, you know, and so much different ways those kids think, uh, different experiences, different cultures uh, really adds and contributes to the classroom and I think that diversity is just really a great way when you're introducing music, it's a great way for them to show and say, hey, look, this is kind of like something I grew up with and help others experience that type of uh, culture uh, exposure uh, and expose those kind of cultures to other students, I guess, that would not normally seek out for it. I think, too, that a lot of teachers are now things students who um, speak up a little bit more and are, are more vocal. I've also experienced the opposite. So it kind of depends on where you're at in the area. But when we were doing with my older students, we were doing a project on um, composers. And so all they had to do was like, look up composers that they were interested in. And then like, they were going to do a quick verbal blurb on them. And this was a second grade girl she says, she's looking through the book. She's looking through the articles and she says, this is uneven. And I said, <laughs> what are you talking about? And she says, I'm trying to find female composers and I'm struggling to find them. Oh, see. And there were kids and, that noticed these things early. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I made a point. I did purposely print out, you know, female composers. Like I went out seeking them. It just happened that 
of all the resources on the internet, of all the books in the library, and of the things I printed out, it was, you know, 10% female composers, you know, (laughs) 90% male composers. And so that's something she noticed. And I said, well, let's talk about why that is. And then we made a conscious effort to, okay, let's go to the library and let's go request some books. Let's go find some, let's go find some other articles and other websites. Let's make a conscious point to, to go find what you're looking for. So we're going to have to talk a little bit more about the books that you have going on uh, in our next segment. So thank you for joining us today. This is Vicki Weber. She's also an author and a former elementary music teacher. So thank you for coming out and visiting us today. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this is the Salty Music Teacher. You can join us at uh, thesaltymusicteacher.com to learn more about myself, Maddie Saltibus. Uh, you can also email at thesaltymusicteacher at gmail.com. You can ask questions or give us suggestions about maybe some future episodes as well that maybe interest you. Thank you again and see you next week. Mm